Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it as they see fit. The message here is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and regretting absolutely nothing. I am your host, Adelia Borashade of PickyGirlTravelsTheWorld.com and Reclaim the Retreats. Um, I I am I'm a little extra smiley today because my guest, many of you know her, you probably consume her content uh, and are very familiar with her like professional life and, and the work she does. But our conversation today is more about the woman. Uh, I am talking about Krishan Wright, founder of Blacksit Global Podcast and Blacksit Global Passport. Um, Krishan and I, I guess we crossed paths maybe three, four years ago. I can't really remember. Uh, but I had been wanting, I've, I've been on her podcast. Um, I feel like we've been at some events together, but I had been wanting to have her on the show because I thought there was a conversation that could be had uh, with her unique perspective as a mom to adult kids, uh, you know, making major changes in her life, a lot like I did. Um, I thought there was an interesting conversation that could be had about you know, what we're all about here, living life on your terms. And like, what does that look like? What does it look like, you know, living life without regrets, bucking convention? I think Krishan hits all of those things. And I think y'all are going to enjoy this episode. Now, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are mm -hmm. familiar with you. They know your name. They know your brand, Blacksit Global, and they know that you recently moved to Portugal, as you said, fresh off the boat. Fresh um, off the boat. <laughs> but that, that's not really what I want this conversation to be about. I mean, like, I don't think we cannot talk about it, but that is not. That's not the, the focus of this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk to someone else who had done something similar to what I had done mm -hmm. in their 40s, left their children in another country, mm -hmm. moved somewhere else and, and kind of explore that. I, I talked to a lot of moms on my YouTube channel. I don't really get a chance to, or I haven't so far interviewed a lot of moms for the podcast. Mm, so let's go for it. How, how do you feel right now in this moment? Fulfilled. Uh, it's funny. I think it was yesterday or the day before, because my, my concept of time is now gone. Uh, I woke up and thought to myself, I'm living my dream life. And that has brought me to a place of feeling fulfilled. You know, my, my kids are grown. My son's going to be 23 on Sunday. My daughter's going to be 18 in about two weeks. Oh, yeah, two weeks from, no, two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, and I'm here in Portugal <laughs> with the dog. And I feel content and I feel fulfilled. 
is this a new thing? Is this like the first time you've felt that or acknowledged that? Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been everything. I've been riding a struggle bus. I had a I had I felt like I had a, a lifetime bus pass. <laughs> that thing must have Girl, stamped. Don't that. I know? It was like, oh, this one, she gonna get a lifetime pass on the struggle bus. Uh, you know, scarcity, scarcity mindset, insecurity, anxiety, all of the ease, right? All of the shuns, right? Depression, uh, everything. And I feel like I boarded a few days ago uh, my freedom flight. And so, yeah, I feel fulfilled. I love that. I love that. Um, now, you said you're living your dream life. Was was this life always the dream? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When I was a kid, I grew up in the Bronx in Co-op City. Shout out to Co-op City. I got to go there a few days before I left because uh, I felt like I needed to go back uh, 30 some odd years later to revisit from whence everything began. And when I was a kid growing up, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot going on in my family. And I think some of the things that, or maybe behaviors, good and bad, uh, of course, originate in childhood. But one of the things that I used to do, like most people, daydream, right, of the future. And like I said, it's good. And then it could be a bad thing because then I had years where I just kept staying in the future and never in the present. But I wanted to live abroad ever since I was a little kid, ever since I was a little kid. I used to journal about it. And my dream was New Zealand. And I remember now still that my life plan was when I turned 26, I'll be a corporate lawyer living in New Zealand. And at 26, I graduated, or 25, I graduated with my master's in social work. And 26, I had my son, so I was pregnant when I graduated. And life, right? Life just takes on. And I've been blessed, like I said, with two children. The marriage didn't work out, but all of the things that happened and that followed, now I get it. In the time when I was in the trenches, dealing with a lot of <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> uh, no, it was not uh, possible or what I envisioned, but now seeing where I am today, everything now makes sense. That I find interesting um, because I often say that the universe tends to unfold as it should. Mm -hmm. That, you know, maybe not in the moment that I get why this thing has worked out the way it has, but mm -hmm. ultimately I seem to end up where I'm supposed to be, despite my really ratchet ass path to get there. I do tend to end up where I'm supposed to be. So to hear you say that, I mm -hmm. find really interesting because, you know, not that anybody's opinion actually matters, but from the outside, 
it might not look that way. Oh yeah, that's, how do I want to answer that? I, I take pride in my work ethic and how I present myself. So how I present myself is who I am, but there's also this version of me, <laughs> right? The two both exist. Um, I don't know if it's a disservice to not be always talking about it. Like I, I find myself talking about aspects of my journey on the podcast and other forums. Um, but yeah, I think for people who like really know me, um, it there's there's synergy. <laughs> um, but for people that don't, I mean, just like anything, what we see about one person's life is only scratching the surface of what's underneath, for sure. I I I don't know what the word is, but I think it is so great that a dream that you had in childhood that you were able to hold on to it. And even when life was unfolding in such a way that did not appear to align with the ultimate goal and the ultimate dream life, you were still able to hold on to the dream and mm -hmm. you know find your way there eventually. I, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of remarkable, honestly. Yeah, I, um, I call this year uh, a return to self in a lot of ways was like the theme for me. And, you know, I was playing a lot of music <laughs> to keep me motivated. And, you know, every day it was, it was, there's a song, The Dream by Irene Cara, May She Rest in Peace. And, it, and the lyrics are very similar to what you said. And um, then the movie, The Last Dragon, uh, the song, like just these songs that just kind of motivated me and like kept me in that vibration. You know, like I said, there were things that were very challenging and then there were just things that had to happen, right? My daughter had to graduate and, you know, prom and all those things. And I moved myself to Florida. I'm also <laughs> managing Black Sick Global and in, in, in the, what, 12, 13 people that are now in Portugal. Uh, well, one arrived today <laughs> and two arrive on Sunday. So we're, by then it'll be 13. Um, and, you know, keeping all the balls in the air and also giving myself grace. Like I don't have to do everything anymore. <laughs> so the things that are getting done, get done. There are things that happened with the move that didn't kind of work out the way I wanted it to, but I, I got to a point where it was just like, hmm, you know, there's a Portuguese saying, mal, no big deal. And I just got to a point where it was just like, hmm, this isn't a today problem. It's either gonna happen or it's not gonna happen. It's out of my control. And the me of a year ago, definitely. 20 years ago, certainly not, <laughs> you know? I'd be like, oh, like a stress ball or, you know, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, but now there's this peace. There's fulfillment. So then the obvious question is, how did you get there? Because you just said, I don't have to do everything anymore. 
Mm -hmm. And I assume that that kind of leads to the piece. And so the, to me, the obvious question is, how did you get there? Because I think a lot of us, Black women, Gen Xers, that's the struggle. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, and I think, I don't like speaking in absolutes, but one thing I think is probably common among Gen X is there's this like independence, right? That our generation had, that our kids' generation didn't have, uh, doesn't have. And so- That was just my kids. But. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like I grew up in the thirty on the thirtieth floor of a thirty-three story building, and um, I shot footage when I was there a few uh, weeks ago. So I am going to make a video about it. But you know, and I'm looking at like you know my mom, you know, let me walk to school by myself, and you know anything could happen. I mean, my school is right behind my building, literally. But just some of the things that I endured, and you know, that, that gives you a sense of agency to some degree and independence. But also I remember now as a child having, as an adult, now having the language for what was I was experiencing as a child, I had a high level of anxiety. Um, and now I know what the word was, but there was this, this, always this feeling in the pit of my stomach. And, and, and some of that just was born out of, you know, like, uh, tumult in my in my household. Um, and then that carried throughout, you know, relationships and things like that. And so, you know, I got to a point where I found myself needing to kind of do what I did a few days ago, blow up my life uh, in order to kind of, you know, blow up the pieces and then put them back in a, in a picture that, that feels comfortable for me. And so when I found myself a few years ago at a, a tipping point, I knew I had to make a choice. It was a tough choice to make, but then I realized like if I survived everything else, why can't I survive this? And so getting to this point is everyone that is alive and hearing and watching this, you've survived 100% of your worst days. <laughs> you know, may not have been pretty, may not have been how you envisioned it, may not have been how other people envisioned it for you, but that's their opinion. That's, you're the one that lives this life. And, you know, when I look at things for years, it was like, oh, I don't live in regret and, and, and rewind. And, and now uh, I'm not doing that because I, as an introvert, ten, tended unlearning, uh, tended to ruminate a lot and replay, you know, in this endless loop. And now I feel like I don't need to read the book backwards anymore. I can use the lessons, find the strength in those aspects that I, that I needed or need at times. I mean, who knows what the future holds? Um, but I think where the wisdom comes from is being able to now impart the lessons that I've learned to my children in a way that is more meaningful because they've been in the trenches along with me for part of the journey. And so they can now say, oh, you know what, now when mom is saying this, now I understand where she's coming from. So I think that's where I just pull from 
strange where it comes from. <laughs> the learning, the unlearning is, I look at the past four years, maybe three to four years, really as a blessing for me, time had slowed down. Um, I had gotten laid off in 2019, that was a gift. Uh, I was very financially prepared. So when other people were like, oh my gosh, you sure? I was like, hi. <laughs> uh, and then the pandemic happened <laughs> and you know, the lockdown, which for an introvert like me was like, <laughs> me, no people, okay. Uh, um, and then just, you know, going back within and, and also always feeling like, and I'm probably rambling, is I struggled for a long time in my life with, how do I put it, being really good at things with very little effort, but always feeling like there was something more. And my passion and my purpose wasn't in alignment. And then when I created Blacks the Global, it was that return to self, right? Where it was like, oh, this was the thing that I've always wanted, which was moving abroad. And I was giving this to myself because I knew that that was my end goal for 2023. And the blessing, the unseen blessing at the time was that other people were listening and either wanted to go on that journey or who were on that journey and were kind enough and generous enough like you to share their stories with me, a person that they totally did not know. <laughs> Something you said about the anxiety you had as mm -hmm. a child, didn't know that's what it was. Um, something about that like turned on a light bulb for me. And I think uh, because I very much felt I had to do everything for everybody. I was responsible for holding it all together. Mm. And um, I did a, a study trip in Germany and one of the people who was on the trip, I can't remember if she was a psychologist, a social worker or what have you, but she said something to me after observing my interactions with some of the, what was one of the men uh, on the trip. Cause like, he was a little bit of a space cadet. And so <laughs> like, I stepped in to make sure Randy made it to where we were supposed to be and that's sort of, And she said something to me, I can't remember it cause this was almost 20 years ago, if mm. not more. She said something alike, like you, you're always trying to fix people. You're always trying to like, and I remember when she said it, I was like, what is she talking about? And then the years since I have witnessed, I've like caught myself in that moment. And I always wondered where that came from. And your comment makes me now wonder if, because there was such responsibility foisted on us at a very, very young, very young age. There's no way, like when I think about the things I was responsible for as a child, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, no way in hell I would expect a child now to do those things. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I kind of put those two together and I'm like, oh, that was, that's part of, that was part of your anxiety is you felt like you needed 
to fix it. You needed to hold it all together. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why I love doing these interviews because I get to talk to black women like yourself who in sharing your experience and your story is going to help somebody listening, but it also helps me like, you know, put together the pieces and figure some shit out and, you know, all of that. Yeah, it's uh, the fixing thing is is real and it is real for me. And I used to pride myself on being the fixer. Uh, I had, you give me a problem, I've got A through Z solutions because I'm already in the moment. And again, that was that future state always being, you know, five steps ahead thinking, okay, if this goes wrong, when this goes wrong, I can do this, 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 this. And for me, a lot of that I know is rooted in, in childhood. Um, you know, my father, I've talked about it publicly in, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, but <laughs> probably not since I've done the podcast. But I grew up and my father was a heroin addict. And so, you know, grew up with addiction my whole life uh, of my childhood. You know, he died when I was in high school. And obviously that was really traumatic. I'm the youngest in my family. So my brothers were out of the house and married. And I was, you know, there's 10 years, 10 and 11 years between us. So, you know, I witnessed the brunt of the not so pretty stuff and domestic violence and, and all the things that no one should ever deal with, but particularly child and, and a female child at that. Um, so yeah, I had, and probably, you know, still have, uh, the daddy issues and the thinking of if I, if I behave a certain way, you know, maybe these things won't happen or dreading certain days of the week and things like that. And so I see now how the behaviors that are rooted in survival that help you get out of a situation or deal with a situation that's unpleasant, once you get in a sense rewarded for those things, right? Being the fixer, being the good student, trying hard, right? Working 10 times as much, right? Than everybody else. Once you get rewarded for those behaviors, even though they become maladaptive, it's hard to break free from that. And so where I look at the pandemic in the past three years is really a time for me to do what I had heard the term but never really understood was shadow work, where I really dug deep in with me and the pretty and the not so pretty and had a lot of tough conversations with people in my life. And through those conversations, there were other pieces of the puzzle that were I didn't know were missing that then fit and made sense of the broader picture. And so I think when you are able to do that, one, it's it's definitely you know a choice to, to go and some people can't go that deep within because it's scary to, to go. And, and also I highly recommend if anybody is gonna do that, have a therapist to, to guide you through that. Sadly, that was not something that um, I had a lot of success with, even though I tried <laughs> several times during the pandemic. Uh, so uh, 
like I said, my degrees in social work. I had to like, you know, perform surgery on myself essentially. Um, but, you know, doing that work and going within helped me get to a place now where I feel like I'm my most authentic. Um, but again, at, at this level of peace. In talking to all of the women that I have talked to on this podcast, um, overwhelmingly, I hear this story about like, yeah, I was about to turn 40 and I started to re-examine. I started to question some things. I started to, you know, really focus on what it was. So I was, you know, just gathering some research, testing out my theory here, because I say that there is something very magical that happens when a woman turns 40. Oh, absolutely. Because I think your past a lot of the early stage milestones, right? You're, you know, depending on how your life is, right? Either you've chosen not to have children or not to be partnered, or in my case, I was partnered, married to that partner, divorced that partner, raised children, um, but in a difficult co-parenting relationship. And you know, when I got to my 40s, like I said, I was like kind of making up for the things that I didn't get. And then by the time I think I was 43 was when I started to get into this, giving myself the things that I've always wanted. And so that was going to New Zealand for the first time in, in 2017, which then led me all the way to this moment. Um, but each year, ever since that, it was just like, okay, what am I doing for me? Like, I love traveling. I love meeting people um, from other cultures. Um, you know, now embracing and, and learning a new language and, and, and now being immersed in it. <laughs> like, I've always, you know, taken, well, when I was in school, you know, you take, you know, U.S.'s version of, of language classes, but now being in a country and also where I live in, in Portugal, where there's not a whole lot of English <laughs> every day. I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm steeped in it. But yeah, I think the 40s are magical. And now that I'm, you know, uh, what, seven months? No, a little more than seven months uh, from 50. I'm like, <laughs> this is a good time. You mentioned that you are living your dream right now. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Ooh, uh, freedom, for sure. Freedom, freedom, freedom of time, uh, freedom of thought, definitely agency and and financial freedom for sure. Uh, definitely the decisions that I made in, let's see, I think I was 36, 37 when I got divorced. Um, those decisions that I made for myself when I chose to end my marriage, now is the payoff. <laughs> it was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and how, how do I wanna ask this? Okay, so you mentioned earlier, like your kids were in the trenches with you, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of their life. 
And now there's this version of mom. Mm -hmm. how, how has this version of mom been received? Have they, have they noticed? Like, did they say anything to you? Um, I'm curious. No, I think they're usually used to me doing something out of the ordinary. Um, I have no problem like reinventing uh, myself. I feel like I've every couple of years, it's a new version of me. And I remember one time, this had to be about eight or nine years ago when I was living in uh, New Jersey in Maplewood. And um, there was someone who was running for school board president and they had the sign and they had the same last name, right? And he's like, mom, my son's mom. You running for school board? <laughs> I was just like, no. But you know, they they're used to things like moms. This was like fifteen, no, yeah, twenty something years ago. I used to be in television, and Miles was uh, probably like two or three, and then he remembers, you know, going to daycare, and he's I saw your mom on TV, and you know, different things, awards and stuff like that I got, and so. They're used to me kind of doing out of the box type stuff. Um, this move, knowing, I guess it's a combination, knowing my children and then knowing me and how I could avoid having, you know, bouts of anxiety. This was a multi-year process and I was very intentional, very thought out and considering the impact of this move on the people who I love the most. And so very intentional as related to my children, of course, very intentional as it relates to my mom. And so with my both my children, we wound up talking in therapy for a long time. And that's largely how I wound up in, in Portugal versus New Zealand. Um, there were other reasons why I didn't end up in New Zealand, but a country that uh, I'm in a country now that I can get back to the East Coast where both my children and my mom are, uh, direct flight in less than seven hours. And um, I can actually see the airport tower um, from where I'm sitting right now and the plane's taking off. So I'm less than 10 minutes from the airport. It's about a six minute ride. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think for them, it's still very new, but you know they know that um, I'm accessible. They've been, you know, texting. Um, we have plans in December to get together, and I've also told them, if you come, cool. If you don't, that's cool too. Did you, at any point, feel guilty about wanting this? because this is moving to another country uh, and because you're a mom, you know, <laughs> bringing children with you, you know, like you're breaking the rules. Um, right, so, yeah, Kiki Palmer. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I remember somebody said something to me when I initially moved to Honduras, my youngest was not coming with me because I gave her the choice and she said, no, you go do your thing. And somebody mm -hmm. said something to me about like, oh, you're leaving your daughter. And I was like, she got a daddy. Like, 
Two of us made this child. I am not the only person who can take care of her. Like leave the patriarchy alone. We've got to unlearn a lot of the stupid shit that has been poured into us by society and continued pouring into us through other people. Um, and oftentimes the people that are mouthing off of this stuff, they're not even cognizant of it or they're so wedded to the version of their life that they've created that they can't even accept or don't want to confront and say, oh, is there another possibility? Like they're so wedded to it. So I totally get it. I think, yeah, there were like distant relatives that had opinions who don't know me or know the version of me from 40 years ago, you know? I mean, my family still calls me Chrissy. No one in my family calls me Krishan. And so, yeah, they have their idea of, oh, little Chrissy with the long hair and she's so quiet and da 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 you know? Um, but they don't know me, they don't know my kids. <laughs> and they don't pay no damn bills, hello. And a lot of them haven't seen, you know, the, like I said, the, the shit show that's been <laughs> a good theme or a bigger theme in the past life. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't let those, there was a time where I would let those things get to me um, and I'd be irate and incensed. Um, but now, no, even as I was leaving, the people who, there were people who, my God, I wouldn't be sitting here, got me to the finish line, literally, like all the way to the airport type of finish line. And if it weren't for those individuals, mm -mm, that last little bit <laughs> wouldn't happen. Uh, and so I think for my kids, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice example of showing them, you know, don't let the opinions of others get into you, get under your skin and you make your, your own choices, but also acknowledge your, you know, and be grateful for the people who step into your life, who affirm who you are. And that takes wisdom and discernment to know the difference for sure. Um, but you know, your rider dies, they will come through. Well, you know, as we said earlier, what other people think doesn't matter. But growing up in this system, we internalize a lot of those things. Yeah. And, you know, because I, I know as a parent, part of my desire to be everything and do everything was because that's that's what I was told I was supposed to be. And I, like a fool, internalized that, you know. No, not like no a better fool. now. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't. And so um, I've talked to a few women who, you know, they struggle with the guilt of mm. leaving the children or you're you're the youngest you're a girl and leaving your mom like that's a that's a real thing people people feel like 
I guess, a twinge or something of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this thing for me because mm -hmm. of my responsibilities to these other people that I love. So that's why I was curious if you had any of those moments where you, you know, you're, you're, you've got the two things you want. You want to be there for the people you love, but you also want to live the dream, the dream that you've had forever and a day, you know? Yeah, I think that I, I don't want to make it seem like it was a switch that got flipped and it was like, oh, I've evolved. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, like I said, the messy middle. Um, but I got to a point, and as a fixer, it's hard as, <laughs> it's hard, right? When you're the fixer and you're used to performing a certain task and being there to then give yourself permission to not do. That was the part. And I, like I said, when I look at the stages of my black set and evolution, where I was a few years ago to where I am today is different. And that's because each year it was like peeling the onion and getting to, or getting to a different level of self-actualization where my mindset came along with me. It took me some time to, to get there. And once I got there, I was just like, well, Gus got two kids, <laughs> two more kids, right? Two sons who are nine and 11 years older than me, right? They've had empty nuts for a long damn time. I'm just getting here, right? Um, so that was just like, oh, wait, I don't have to be. And realizing that by doing so, that I am playing an active role in my suffering to some degree, right? Being in the sandwich generation um, and also not living a life that is fulfilling, right? I'm, I'm still living a life based on what the expectation of me and expectation means somebody else came up with the rules and conditions of your existence. And I'm like, oh, hell no, fuck that shit. <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, I am so over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so over it. I'm so over it. So no, you know, having, raising two children, my, if I did my job well, I've poured into them as much as I feel I could to get them to the stage of life. My job is not done, it's changed and evolved because they are now full on adults. And so the relationship changes, I'm, I'm more of a counselor, if you will, bounce off a couple ideas, cheerleader, but not the, did you pick up your clothes? Did you brush your teeth? Did you wipe your face? Did you do your homework? Like all, all of that stuff, like that part is gone. And so with that is, you know, encouraging their independence and their self-sufficiency and also giving them permission. I'm not guilting them at all. Not, oh, I came all this way. I picked this country or this continent because you're this place or I didn't have this dog as part of my black city. And now, you know, she's sitting here with me. <laughs> um, I don't want to guilt 
them. I want to parent them differently than how I was parented. And I say that, and I've had this conversation with both my children and my mom. I say that not as in a way to be disrespectful or to lay blame. It's because we've had challenging conversations and honest conversations to peel back the layers and understand that generationally the conditions were different. My mom came up during the great migration and she went to school in the South. Sometimes they didn't have shoes, you know, there was, you know, obviously segregation, she picked cotton. So some of the things that her beliefs around certain expectations were just born out of the time in which she existed, right? Which are very different than me. So for me to say, oh, you know, maybe you should have chosen this person and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's that's not fair, right? No, there's no perfect human. There's no perfect parent. You know, if somebody says they are, they're full of shit. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. But what I will say is I have no problem and I've, I've encouraged my children that I know I am not and was not a perfect parent. And just as I had, you know, conversations with my mom, you know, I, I look forward to the conversations with them, you know, where they're like, you know, mom, it was kind of, you know, blah, blah. or you could have did this different. Like, I'm open to that. I think that's what makes the difference. I remember having a conversation with my mother when she was still alive about some stuff I didn't think was cool with me growing up. And she was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, remembered the situation completely different. And I was like, okay, this is pointless. I it, Whatever, like, animosity, and maybe that's not the right word. I don't know. But whatever kind of feelings I had, I was like, oh, trying to talk to you about this is just going to hurt my feelings even more. So I'm going to leave this alone. What's done is done. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And with my own children, you know, you don't, you don't realize the ways in, I'm not going to say that I messed up, but the ways in which I did not perform as I would have liked with them mm -hmm. until they're, they're adults. And then you're like, oh yeah, I could have done that better. Mm -hmm. But it is the willingness to have the conversation that, and, and, and having them know that as they, you know, do their own shadow work, they work through their stuff and mm -hmm. they come to a realization and they bring that to you that you're not going to shut them down. Mm -hmm. You're going to listen. You're going to, you know, say, well, you know, this is why I made the choice I did. I can yeah. see now why you feel the way you feel about that choice. I think, I think that is the, the big difference being willing to have that conversation because the generations before us, I don't think we're always willing to do that. Oh, hell and, no. <laughs> you can, you can give folks a lot of grace. If, you know, like I have, I've apologized to my children because, you know, I did the best I could. Mm -hmm. And we have these continual conversations and I will say like, oh, if I was doing this today, yes, I would do it this way. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, that's the choice I made. And yeah. to give, to give them space to be 
if you want to be mad at me, I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I'm never going to be like, I am your mother and you owe me, you should. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, because really, if we're so fortunate, we are gifted, right? Zero to 18, <laughs> right? Everything else is overtime, right? It's on their terms. And for some generations and some people's mindset and thinking and beliefs, that's something that they're not comfortable with. For me, mm -mm, zero to 18 was all I was promised, <laughs> right? Everything else is gravy. And so, like I said, if, I, if, if done my job right, they know that they can come to me as a source of emotional support and safety. And then I know, okay, this is good, right? But it's never a, you owe me, I've spent thousands, you know, I'm here, I've got to pay tuition, right? And do all the things. Uh, I'm not saying, oh yeah, well, now you're grown, get a job, boo, cause, <laughs> right? Because, you know, when I went to school, I went to SUNY school, tuition wasn't the way it is now. It's ridiculously no. expensive. And I don't feel, me, my philosophy personally, I don't feel that I want to um, weigh down my children with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt. Um, so if that's a gift that I can give to you know, effectively change the generation, then that's something I'm comfortable with, but that is also a choice. Um, and so, yeah, I think the biggest evolution for me is making choices based on what I feel I wanna do and not what other people expect me to do or feeling obligated. From much of my life, my earlier part of my life, there were things that I did in response to other people, either my perception of what their expectation was or just their outright saying it and feeling that I needed to be, um, to oblige in that way. I don't feel that need. And, and you, you touched on something earlier about like having that conversation with your mom and her not remembering. And that's how I am with my mom today. It was like, you told me this back then it has no recollection, right? And I think that's the thing that words have power and you never know the impact of your words on someone's psyche, especially a developing mind. And so, you know, I think for, for some of us, we've held on to certain beliefs or stories, or like I said, maladaptive behaviors that were born out of something somebody said and our psyche grabbed onto that. And then that became, you know, how we survived. And I think the gift is getting to a point where you can recognize that, accept it for what it is, and then write a new chapter and you get to hold the pen and you get to write on the paper what the next page and chapter of that book looks like. So since we're talking about next chapters, mm -hmm. what, what are you, what are you planning or what are you hoping 
this next chapter looks like for you because you just like literally days ago moved to Portugal. You are about to turn 50. Mm-hmm. Big time, new chapter. What are what are you hoping for? Ooh, peace, peace, peace. Yeah, I you know I'm at this stage where I have more years behind than in front, and so and and even if they are equal, uh, physically this body is going to not hold the same as the first 50, right? So uh, I have certain things that I want to accomplish, of course, now that I'm in Europe. Um, You know, I want to go to different countries and take advantage of all that comes along with uh, being a EU resident. Um, You know, I've, I've First couple of days, I, I stayed in my uh, immediate community in the way they have um, these, what they call freguesias in, in Portugal. Um, it's really so that you you do spend your money local. So like I, I discovered a new store this morning, like I have a, a continent right across, uh, not even the street. <laughs> like I walk out, walk the dog, I bring her inside, I go across the lawn and I'm in the store. <laughs> Um, and then I discovered there was a Lidl or Little uh, just around the loop this morning because I needed uh, some maple syrup. So yeah, it's um, writing this new chapter is getting to design the life that I want, living a life by design, not by default. Um, you know, for my 50th, I want to have a yacht party. And, you know, some of the things that I'm doing now, you know, in the the midst, what, six days in, uh, planning a dinner party for our um, 13 that have made the move uh, from January uh, to now. Uh, Like I said, the last two of this wave will come on Sunday. So we're going to have a dinner party. And uh, I have plans to host in next summer. Um, so I am going to be hosting a house and that'll be for people who are digital nomads who want to, or not, right, who want to kick the tires and give Portugal uh, a try. You know, we'll be doing a, kind of like a hosted arrangement. There's a three week one and a one week. It'll be in August. Um, and the Move to Portugal virtual summit that I'm hosting with uh, Our Black Utopia. And so... Now I'm finding myself in my most creative phase of life, giving birth to different ideas, pursuing different passions, not having the anxiety around time or money, um, even even up until the time I left. I, I felt like, you know, do I have enough? Do I have enough? And now that I'm here, I'm like, I got enough, right? <laughs> but, you know, releasing myself from all of that has allowed me to be at ease. I sleep a lot now, might be a little bit of jet lag, but I think it's mostly just giving my body the rest that it it always needed and wanted, you know, but like I said, I made decisions before leading up to the the final leg. I think it was maybe two and a half months ago and I, I gave up drinking coffee every day. 
because I wanted to rid myself of the the juice <laughs> that keeps the engine going and allow my body like naturally say like, hey, you know what? I got up. Oh, look, an hour later. Hmm, I think I want to take another nap. <laughs> it's like, oh, just, I don't know. It's this, yeah, the, the, the best word that I can just say and describe it is, is freedom and fulfillment. You know, that's what I feel like this, this stage is for sure. Well, I am incredibly, incredibly happy for you. I love, I love to, I love to see black women get to live their dream, get to live. Cause this, this podcast is about living life on your own terms, but I love the way you said it, live a life by design, not by default. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I want for every black woman. So it, it brings my heart immense joy to see you getting, walking into that part of your life so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's still a journey. Uh, you know, I've done this publicly for three years. And so for people to see and hear from when I was in my closet in New Jersey, <laughs> recording the Black to Global podcast all the way to now sitting in this beautiful apartment <laughs> in Portugal, it's like, it is possible and you can do it. You can surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who will cheer you on, who will give you your girls to make sure that you stay on the path. And if you need support, you know, there's people like you, me, and others who are committed to doing this work, to seeing you win. And Maybe you've grown up or existed in an environment where it wasn't always safe to be you or whatever, you know, or people weren't, people had different agendas or there was com competition. There's no competition, right? We, we all have a shared vision and that is to see us win. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So was I right? Did you enjoy that? I did. Uh, that conversation uh, did a lot for me. And I know many of you think, oh, Adelia, you've got it all figured out. You're, you're like, you're there, you're finished. Oh no, <laughs> oh no. This is all a process. Living the life that you want is not an end point. It is a process. And I am still on the journey. I might be a little further ahead than you are on the journey, but we're all on our own journey. So having that conversation with Krishan helped me a lot. So I'm sh pretty sure it was helpful to you. Um, I will include links to uh, Krishan's website, to the Move move to Portugal Summit, the house that she's talking about for digital nomads. I'll include links for all of that in the description on YouTube or in the show notes. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I need to tell y'all. I don't think that there is. Thank you guys so much for your support. Um, 
this new seasonal format of the show, I think is the way for us to move forward and continue doing the show. This is this episode with Krishan is the second to last. We will end season four next week with a tea time with Ivana, which we will premiere live on YouTube. Uh, so be on the lookout for that if you want to, you know, watch that final episode of season four with the rest of the Picky Girl Nation community. Uh, be sure to check YouTube for the link. All right. Until next time, y'all. <laughs>